Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. All four of us are busy parents, so we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to join us. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we have a legal disclaimer to share with you. Here it is. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and shouldn't be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. You should not rely on this podcast for medical diagnosis or treatment, and you should never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Why Way Elevate podcast. Quincy is here with Dr. Rigby and Kelsey. Last episode, episode 18, we had a, a good overview of four different diets that people will engage in when trying to live healthy and, and lose weight. Today, we're going to do some a deep dive into the first one, the ketogenic diet. And as we start out with this conversation, I want to have some groundwork of kind of laying a foundation of what the ketogenic diet is. So my first question is, what is the ketogenic diet? Kelsey, take it away. Um, all ketogenic diets are high in fat, um, adequate in protein, and low in carbs. Um, so that way it changes the way we use our the energy in our body to create ketones. So the goal of the ketogenic diet is um, for you to enter in a state of ketosis and forming ketones as fuel. And, and that then allows your body to metabolize the fat that's already in your body, correct? Yep. So you can uh, make ketones from the fat that you eat or the fat stores in your body so versus just glucose. Yeah. Okay. We're trying to shift from using glucose. The two main fuel sources is glucose and ketone bodies or ketones. So we're trying to shift away from using, when you say away from it, you're going to use the glucose when it's available. But when that, those availability goes down, switch over to the availability of burning the ketones. Okay. So, so based, I know everybody's different, but in general terms, what are the percentages of each of these four, uh, sorry, four, wow, each of these three um, um, food source types that to be truly That's on the great. ketogenic? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. So when it was first, um, when the ketogenic was first, you know, um, studied and created by Dr. Russell Wilder in 1923 by the Mayo Clinic. He did what we call a classic keto, which was four to one ratio. Um, and this is four grams of fat to one gram of protein plus carbohydrate. So if you're on a thousand calorie diet, you get eight, which I know a lot of adults are on a lot higher calorie diet. But um, if you're on a thousand calorie diet, that's eight grams of carbs. Um, if you now there's modifications of that classic ketogenic diet and that could be a three to one ratio a two to one ratio and a one to one ratio and the carbs obviously increase with each with each of those ratios so on a one to one keto ratio this is the most um i don't know if relaxed is the right word but you can consume the more amount of like carbohydrates and protein um, we see people around 40 to 60 grams of carbs on a one to one ratio one to one meaning one and fat to protein right 
Um, this is just for carbs. So okay. then their other grams are coming from protein and then their fat would equal their protein plus their carbs. Okay. Is that, are you following that? Try one more time. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Ask him for a um, friend. So, no, you're good. So if someone's having 60 grams of carbs and they need to have based on their RDA and skeletal muscle mass and activity and age, um, that they need, let's say 90 grams of protein. Okay. Um, that's 140 grams. So then you would have 140 grams of fat for a one-to-one okay. Mod- uh, okay. modified keto okay. diet. Okay. I think that makes sense. So there we go. Okay. And it gets, um, the research shows with that, I mean, everyone is so different, but you can usually get into mild ketosis, um, which is at least 0.5 millimoles per liter. Um, if you're testing with the blood meter. Okay. Of ketones in your blood. Yes. Okay. That's like kind of the minimum. Okay. And so then, but most, when you hear strict keto, what is that? That's a great question because from <laughs> like a medical nutrition standpoint, when I hear strict keto, I'm thinking four to one, like the most strict classic keto that we use in a lot with pediatric epilepsy patients. Um, but I think strict keto and, and Dr. Rigby, correct me if I'm wrong, in um, the kind of the weight loss world is anyone who has any kind of mild ketosis going on. So that could just be a one-to-one ratio. Yeah, basically doing whatever they need to to get into that ketotic state or into ketosis. So whatever they consider more strict is what's going to help them get there versus a little bit more relaxed or a modified, just they have a little bit more flexibility. Okay. I want to bring up terms I hear a lot too, clean keto and dirty keto. Oh, yeah. Let's discuss what those are. (laughs) Perfect. Um, and so Dr. Rigby, go ahead and start <laughs> your thoughts. So my, my opinion on clean keto is basically you're trying to use the cleanest type of foods in the sense of the meats, the vegetables, maybe some fruit, but it's coming from more of the natural component versus dirty is more of the processed type foods that you're getting in the grocery store or seeing online. They're going, oh, I can get these low carb or keto friendly this or that. But they're still getting the benefits. So in my opinion, if they're getting the benefits, great, go for it. But if they're struggling, those are the first things we're going to try to back off are all those processed-type products. Right, because those processed keto-type foods have, um, you know, the sugar alcohols or different artificial sweeteners and then um, a lot of added fiber. So everybody responds differently to those types of foods. Um, I always recommend the whole foods approach just because we know um, it helps with it a lot more than just getting into keto ketotic state, um, the whole foods. And so, but you have to like give yourself some grace too. And I, I mean, I do this, like I have um, some chalk zero hazelnut bark in my pantry <laughs> that I, I really, really enjoy like you in a bar <laughs> and yeah, you have to live too. And so I just, um, sometimes I think there's a lot of, um, emotions mixed in with the clean and dirty. And as long as you're getting those benefits and you're feeling good, then keep doing what you're doing. And that's part of it. Unfortunately online, there's a lot of people going, Oh, you can't, I can't do that. You have to do this. All of those are, all these things were given are guidelines to figure out what's going to help you accomplish what you need to be in 
And if patients come see me and they have a history of epilepsy, I'm going, yes, we're going to take you as far aggressive as we can and try to make it, keep you in ketosis as much as possible. But if you're coming to see me for weight loss and we're kind of doing keto, dirty keto, and you're seeing the benefits, you feel better and things are improving, great, go for it. But if you're stalling out, we need to get a little bit more aggressive. Really quick as a way of definition, um, Kelsey, earlier you mentioned whole foods. Just quickly, what is whole foods? Or Dr. Great question. Um, The foods that come like in its natural form. Okay. So, you know, and like, I'm going to use corn as an example, probably not the greatest example, but, you know, Mm -hmm. corn on the cob, I consider whole food, but if a corn tortilla, there's several steps of processing to get it into a tortilla. Okay. Um, And so your meat, your dairy, um, it can still come in a package because, I mean, we get our dairy, um, you know, gallons or, you know, jugs or whatnot. And so um, I don't necessarily use a package roll, but it's just the food in its most natural state. As much as you possibly can. Okay. As yeah. much as possible. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about the diet, what it is. Um, we alluded to the history. Anything else in the history of this diet that we want to bring up, Dr. Rigby or Kelsey? Well, the thing is, I think Dr. Wilder or yeah, Wilder got credit back at the Mayo Clinic, but I think it's the idea has been going on for a long period of time because there's records of even back into 500 BC of doing extreme type things to help people that were sick. And again, back there, we didn't have a lot of medicines. Oh, we'll put you on this, we'll put you on this. It was more of their eating habits and their basic lifestyle skills to try to control some of the medical problems. And fasting became a very key tool to help people get benefits. And if you're fasting long enough, you can get into ketosis. So the whole idea is it's been an ongoing thing with lots of people doing certain extreme, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. extreme type things to help improve their health. Okay. So it's been a lot lot longer than people say, oh yeah, keto is just a new thing. It's it's not necessarily a new thing. It's kind of been something, and it, I'm guessing those people sometimes didn't even have a choice. Oh, yeah, I'm using this to, to lose weight. I'm sure that's they just ate what they could get, and that was what they could get. So That's true. Um, a couple more terms that are associated with the keto diet and like the medical skills is the MCT oil diet, um, the low glycemic index treatment, and then modified Atkins. Um, and all of those are a, basically a modified one-to-one keto diet. They have a little different details of each one, but they're just different ways to be able to consume a little bit more carbs, um, but still have um, results of ketosis. Okay. That makes sense. So when you said Atkins, um, is Atkins the ketogenic diet? So the original Atkins is, what did did Dr. say? He said can be. Can be. Can be. Okay. Yeah. But like the original one, like it was high protein. Is that correct? Well, it depends. And if you go read it, it was, he talked about the protein, but he was also having that kind of one-to-one fat and not being afraid of fat. But he, even at that time, wasn't going, we're lowering your carbs. If you're still hungry, add more protein with the fattier cuts. But he was focused more on the protein, not just the fats. Mm -hmm. So even back then, we were a little leery about, ooh, should we even be focusing on the fats? Or at least he didn't focus on it in the books. That makes sense. Okay, anything else in the history of the diet that we want to talk? Well, 
Atkins, just if we're going that, down that road, mm-hmm. he actually was kind of the story goes is he actually was gaining weight after residency. Cardiologists had done all this stuff. And he did what he was taught to do. Go look at their studies, go research what's going on and come up with what you think the best thing is. So he go back and looked at some of the other things with Donaldson and if I remember Pendleton, who had had these different dietary changes, keeping carbs low and not really focusing on excessive amount of fats, but having more of what people would call the natural state of protein and fat, having that one-to-one ratio back off on the carbs aspect. Okay. So when is the ketogenic diet appropriate? So with that, um, there's indications according to published evidence. And there's usually the level one evidence is like there's the randomized control trials. Um, it's definite. And then there's level two evidence, which are usually prospective or retrospective studies. And then level three evidence, there's no controls, there's case studies. Um, and so level one evidence, you know, first line of treatment for um, the glucose transport type one deficiency, um, pyruvate dehydrogenase um, defect, or a phosphofrukinase deficiency. So if, if you're diagnosed with that, this is the first line of treatment. Um, it's also, the, I mean, there's level one evidence for epilepsy, especially with the pediatrics medication resistant. Um, but then if you go on to level two evidence, we see a larger, um, more evidence supporting it's helpful. And then I want to, and then level three, um, so we haven't had uh, randomized control trials in this yet, but this is where we do have evidence for obesity, diabetes, Alzheimer's, migraines, bipolar, schizophrenia, um, Parkinson's. The list goes on. It's a very, very long list. So when people say there's no evidence, we do have evidence. We just don't have level one evidence for all of these things quite yet. And that's the problem in medicine. A lot of times we want the higher level, but whatever's working and helping, um, we want to do. But the problem is a lot of these studies are very expensive and they take a lot of time. And most of us don't have millions of dollars just to donate to a the study. It's nothing against the pharmaceutical department or companies, but they have all this money and they put all this research to show some of these things to see if their one particular drug can solve the problem, or at least compared to either the placebo or to another thing. And then the FDA approves that type of aspect. There are governing bodies to look at some of this aspect but nobody's really delving into the diet because diet's hard to just change that aspect and never change anything else. It's a lot easier to go, don't change anything. Let's just add a pill. We know the pill is kind of the key difference. Gotcha. Yeah. And trying to do a blind study with diet is nearly impossible. Yeah. They've tried <laughs> it true. for multiple aspects where they were making the food, they were changing everything and it's just hard to do. But the question is, is it the food making the difference or is it their their environment or their sleeping right. habits or – Or just the act, fact that they're now focusing on their diet, even if it's not the type of diet and they're more conscious of what they're eating and maybe they, they're, they're making better choices of what, how they're eating. Yeah, and that's the difficult part yeah. when it comes to this. Okay. Yeah. What are okay. – um, what are some common myths? Let's go into that ra- rabbit hole right now. Common myths that you, we hear about the ketogenic diet. I'm going to start with one. Um, it's not long-term or sustainable. 
Well, I always use the stupid analogy of allergic. If you're allergic to a food, that means you scop it for a couple months and then you go back to eating that food. If your body doesn't do well with something, don't eat it. So it's sustainable if your body doesn't do well with the other types of diets. Exactly. And I think, um, I mean, for the classic four to one keto diet, um, and even today with our pediatric patients, they don't have to stay on the diet long term. After they get, you know, seizure freedom or their seizures under control, um, usually after a couple of years, they start get green, going back to a regular diet. Um, but the modified keto, the one to one ratios, the two to ones, there's no reason why that's not sustainable, especially if you feel better. It's not causing, um, you know, your body harm. Well, a lot, and I agree with Kelsey. But one of the things I, when I hear people say it's not sustainable, and I go, sustain from what? Well, a lot of times it's the breads or these things. Then my brain says that's an addiction aspect. So it's easy to say avoid it if it's not addictive to you. But if it's like, oh, I can't live without this, it's not that you have to have it. It's more of you're addicted to it. That's a personal story. Um, I've been trying to cut out carbs over the last few weeks when eating some much healthier chips. Oh, I've noticed, especially at bedtime, I'm just craving that like no other. And I'm realizing that it's because I'm addicted. It can be addiction, but it also can be right. habit, especially if it's always at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this is how I relax. So I'm going to have my chips to help me relax to go to bed type thing. Gotcha. Yeah, And there, I mean, for my personal story, I don't have a choice. Like if I, if, you know, if the keto diet's not sustainable and I start eating carbs and start having seizures again, um, or having seizures more frequently, I couldn't be the mom or the wife or a dietitian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I think it's like the looking at your life and making those sustainable lifestyle choices and, yeah, you can down the road, you know, if you've reached a good maintenance state and you try a piece of cake or whatnot and you feel okay, then fantastic. Um, and then you kind of just make your own path and make it sustainable for you. And that's what I think everybody needs to look at is, one, where's your health at? Two, where do we need to go? And what's the pathway to get there? Because if making these dietary changes helps us enough and you accomplish it, like Kelsey says, maybe we can come be, become a little bit more relaxed. So maybe we're going from just using the number she used from four to one to three to one to two to one to one to one to maybe even less than that. But you're still getting the benefits you need using Kelsey's example. If she gets more flexible and gets has a seizure, we've found that point. We got to get back and we found what she has to be at. But if it's more right. for weight and going, I was more aggressive at first, I lost the weight, I'm going to gradually add more carbs to help maintain. And that's where the idea of going back to Atkins a little bit, he goes, get really aggressive at first for the first couple of weeks, if not a month, then you gradually add the carbohydrates, being know what you're doing to find that happy point where you're kind of maintaining Unfortunately, with the idea of the addiction aspect, I always tell people it's kind of a slippery slope because you're going, oh, I'm having more carbs. I'm feeling all right, but I haven't adjusted my fats and my proteins and I'm not being more physically active. Now I'm adding more carbs that I have to burn before I can switch over to eating 
using the fat as a fuel. So the fat's just around, therefore, it's extra energy that we now can cause weight gain. So that's it's kind of finding that balance for you and where you are on that stage or that right. of that progression, that journey. Okay. And something I've noticed working um, in clinic is that more and more people kind of forget like how their eating habits led them to where they are today. And I mean, we all were taught, you know, way back when and like, you know, the food pyramid and now it's my plate that's designed for, you know, they make it sound like it works for everyone and everybody's so unique. But if your body's one that doesn't digest carbs as well as someone else's, going back to that standard or your old way of eating will just lead you back to that, you know, where you were to where you are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and again, part so, of it also is that was a recommendation to help maintain your health if you're already healthy. You have so to be healthy point, yeah. first. Okay. So if you're not healthy, having a plan to go, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, that's for healthy people, quote, unquote, whatever healthy is. That's to help <laughs> maintain. If mm-hmm. we need to get more aggressive and get you going the other direction, and that's where I always sometimes I use the, the idea of with medicine is the ketogenic or other aspects is more of an aggressive treatment. If you're walking to a clinic and you just have a cough, we're going to give you a, maybe a mild cough medicine. You come back about a week later more aggressive, the the symptoms are getting worse, you're getting worse, maybe we're adding antibiotics, maybe some steroids. If it gets worse than that, we might be some more other treatments. If that's not aggressive enough, we might put you in the hospital. That's not enough. Now we're going to put you in the ICU. If that's not enough, we're going to put you on a ventilator. So it's a progression. Okay. So where are you and where do we need to get to? Those people on a ventilator, we can get you back healthy. It's just you're not going to wake up and go, I'm done. I have to work through some of this progression, not going through those steps, but it's going to take you a lot longer to get back to quote unquote healthy versus somebody with a mild cough versus respiratory failure. Okay. That makes sense. What are some other myths that you guys have heard about the ketogenic diet? Maybe patients have told you, family members, Kelsey, as you living the diet, people are like, oh, you're living (laughs) keto? Did you know? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's necessarily a myth, but normally when we're doing like a 24-hour diet recall or whatnot, um, they're usually saying, yeah, I'm doing keto and um, just listening to the types of foods. Usually they remember the protein, but they forget to add in fat. So they may be having, I mean, low carb, um, but it's a high protein diet is one of the most common things I see from people. So it's a mistake. Um, And so, yeah, not really a myth. But it's just you can't really be in ketosis if you're having consuming a lot of protein. Okay. Because your body will break down that protein to create glucose. And your body will use that glucose for energy versus creating ketones. Probably one of the biggest myth is, isn't that going to bump up my cholesterol and give me a heart attack? Oh, yeah. That is a big myth. Yeah. Yes. Because you're eating fat. So now your cholesterol is going to go up. You're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. You're going to kill yourself because you're eating more fat. Which is kind of ironic because looking at history, we we kind of blame um, Ansel Keys for the whole diet heart hypo- diet heart hypothesis, which he was the main focus of it, saying that cholesterol is going to heart, cause heart disease. But if you go back and look at some of the stuff he did before that, he actually did studies on starvation, but he also proved that what you eat did not affect your cholesterol numbers. Interesting. So we bypass all that and just go with one aspect. Hmm. So 
there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And again, it depends on how you respond. But again, unfortunately, we get so wrapped up in cholesterol numbers. And again, those numbers, there's certain particular patients that should fit those numbers. And there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't. And we should look at the big picture, not just one aspect of it. Okay. Very good points. One myth that I've heard about has to do with your kidneys and how the ketogenic diet is going to destroy your kidneys. Can you speak to that? It's usually because of the high protein. So again, depends on where your kidney functions are in the first place. So if you already have, again, there's basically five stages, which is kind of ironic that we very rarely ever talk about stage one and stage two. We usually don't worry about it till you get to stage three. And this is looking at how your kidneys are functioning. So if you've been to your doctor and they haven't mentioned anything about your kidneys, you're probably in stage one or two. So don't worry about it. But if you are, if they brought up the idea that you have kidney issues, it's usually stage three because they're usually sending to a specialist if you get to stage four or stage five. And stage five, you're basically on dialysis. Oh, yeah. So, not a fun place to be. Yes. Yeah, we don't want you to go there. So if you're having kidney issues, talk to your doctor. It has to do with protein. But the thought process is higher protein. Again, getting back to that high protein aspect can be harder on your kidneys. And theoretically, if you're already in stage four, stage five, we have to be more careful with the amount of protein. But unfortunately, a lot of people are going, looking at those extreme cases and say, oh, I've got kidney issues. I can't be. It's like usually things that are usually damaging the kidneys are usually your higher sugars, glucose, and your higher insulin levels. That's having more damage to the kidneys to get you to the stage three, and if they're really not early stage four, to worry about. Okay. Um, I, I know some people who get kidney stones. Um, and so determining what like what's the cause and what kind of kidney stone you have, um, sometimes the keto diet can cause that. Um, I think it's more rare than people hear about. You know, they hear about that one person who got a kidney stone. Um, but again, that's taking your individual um, health and what's going on in your body and how they're processing the calcium and things like that. So a couple of things would go along with that. One, it can be the calcium. Two, it can be dehydration. Three, it can be a higher insulin level till your body's telling it to hang on to different salts. But also, right. there are some other higher, hate to say, vegetables that have some of these oxalates that put those levels higher. Therefore, your body's having to deal with things. So, so it's not Absolutely. just the proteins. It's more of the whole diet. So... If you're having kidney stones, that's where we need to look at the whole diet and look at what the foods break into because you might be one that some of even those vegetables put those higher levels, therefore put you at higher risk. Which vegetables? Well, if I remember right, uh, if you're eating a lot of spinach and I want to say broccoli and cauliflower, but we're talking, again, depends on how your body breaks it down. Yeah, that's true. And the levels that you're getting. So if you're at higher risk, that's where meeting with a doctor or a dietitian to kind of look at your overall. And if you're having high levels of anything or that could break into those things, we need to back off. So it's okay. not just protein, but some of those other components that these foods break into can lead to that. Okay. that makes sense? And hydration. Oh yeah. Um, but I want to like just reemphasize hydration is key. So um, whether you're on the keto diet or not, uh, 
staying hydrated is a great way to help prevent or decrease the risk of kidney stones. But it'd be, I think it becomes even more important when you go on a lower carb diet, whether it be, you know, getting into ketosis or not. Um, the hydration is very important. Okay. It's uh, probably the number one thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, it is. Any other myths that you've heard uh, associated with the ketogenic diet? I'm sure there's more, but. Gout, kidney stones. Are we talking about kidney stones? Gout. I was a big one. Um, especially with the higher protein thought process. Again, a lot of people, just because we've been so ingrained with the idea of avoiding fat. So if we're backing off on carbohydrates, people go, we have to go higher protein. So that's part of the myth is it's not really just going to higher protein. That's where I always tell people, yes, protein is important, but I want you to prioritize protein, but I want you to add more protein to start with. Keep your proteins about the same. We're just trying to add the fats or fat your cuts of protein or just not be fearful of the fats because the fats actually are a better fuel source. Okay. And it, I mean, if you guys hear of more myths, definitely let us know. You can message us on our, our email or our Facebook group and we'll answer them because I'm drawing a blank of more <laughs> Sounds myths. Sounds great. Um, yes, please, please reach out to us and, and post and ask questions and we can continue the discussion. Um, one of the questions that, Last question I want to talk about with the ketogenic diet. Um, we have a little, bit, a little bit to this, but how do people do it wrong? I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm doing the keto diet, but sometimes as you look at it, they're not doing it right. What what does that look like? Kelsey? Well, I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier with, you know, the too much protein. Okay. Um, it's probably the biggest one, right? Yeah, because they're not, I mean, they're not getting the benefits. Um, and then they could be, you know, hurting other systems in the body. Um, but the other, like the other things, um, um, I just, I guess, um, wow. I really am drawing a, a good blink. I would Dr. say the, Rigby, you go ahead and go. <laughs> I would say the biggest issue is they use the term keto and have no clue what that really means. Just because it's kind of people go, well, that's the fad diet. Well, if we look at it, the history we talked about at the very beginning it's been around for quite a while. I can make the argument that the standard American diet is more of a fad diet versus the keto diet, but we won't get into that right now. But they will use the idea that I'm doing keto. Well, what does that mean for them? Well, I'm just cutting back on some of my processed stuff. And they're still eating a lot of carbohydrates. They're not even really adjusting the protein and or their fat. They're just backing off on the carbs and they go, but I'm doing the keto diet. So not knowing what they're doing just because they see it online yeah. or they read somewhere, they go, oh, I'm doing the keto diet and not knowing what ketogenic really is the whole idea about. Or And they're doing more of a lower carb than anything, but they're calling it keto because keto seems cooler or I'm trying well, to like my friends. Yeah. And a lot of those foods that have like, you know, keto approved or um, on the food labels and whatnot, sometimes they're not really keto. Mm -hmm. So um, again, really knowing what, if you want to get into a state of ketosis, really understanding what that is. Maybe even counting your macros, really counting important. how much protein, how much fat and carbs you're actually eating throughout the day might be really helpful. Right. Okay. Anything else on the ketogenic diet that you just want to say in summary? If you're struggling, come see us. 
or <laughs> go see a dietitian who knows what they're doing because I'm nothing against dietitians, but most <laughs> of them are going, that's too extreme. We can't do that. But again, going back to what we said is they want to push for that standard American diet. If you're healthy, that's a good place maybe for you to be. But even a lot of dietitians are not taught the whole process. It's almost like they have to be interested. Okay. Yeah, we're not taught. They might have, they, um, they bring up the discussion. I'm assuming they bring it up in your training going, okay, there's a ketogenic diet. Okay, we keep moving on. They've heard yeah, it. Yeah, it's for the, the, med- the medical management of epilepsy, and that is it. Period. Well, unfortunately, now we're seeing all the other <laughs> metabolic problems that are going on. Maybe we need to get more aggressive, kind of like that idea, that analogy of we need to get you more aggressive, that treatment. And hopefully we can get you back to more of that standard, easier diet. But you might not do well with it overall. So why damage yourself? Okay. Thank you, guys. And we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for joining us on the Why Wait Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Wait Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.